Peter blustered in protest. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others said the same. And I say the same. And perhaps you do too. Peter was so certain that he would never deny. He was so certain that his resolve to follow Jesus could bear up under any weight. He was one of Jesus' inner three. He was present at the transfiguration. He was in the room when Jesus raised little Talitha from the dead. He was the first to confess that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he was the only disciple to actually walk on water with his Lord on the choppy surface of the Sea of Galilee. He was so certain, even if he had to die, he would never deny him. Never. And yet, by the time the rooster crowed the following morning, Peter stood in the rubble of his own buckled self-image. Peter is not a character in a novel. He is not a work of fiction. He was a real person. He was as real as any of us. He had moments of profound spiritual awareness. He had moments of unimaginable spiritual collapse. He was a walking contradiction. He was a man of duplicity, and he was a man of faith. He really loved and really believed in Jesus and he really failed, and he really denied Jesus. For everyone in this room who professes faith in Jesus, we are the same. Every single follower of Christ, from the beginning until now, and continuing on until he returns, is a living contradiction. We love him and believe in him, and we fail him and we deny him. So what is the specific temptation or failure that you look at and say, even if I have to die, I would never deny you by doing that? What is the thing you believe you are incapable of doing? The transgression you would never commit? It's important for us to be honest about this question because that inconceivable offense, that low to which we would never stoop, has the power to lure us into an even deeper denial. And that is the self-confidence that there are some areas of our lives that did not require the events of this day. So what is it for you? When we start saying to Jesus, I need you to inspire me. I need you to teach me. I need you to correct me in some areas. And I need you to show me how to live. 
But when we do not say, and I need you to die for me, to deal not only with the sins that I commit, but also with that part of me that so willingly permits my rebellion against you, when we don't say that, we empty Good Friday of its meaning. We render this day a tragedy only. It is not a victory. And so when Peter said, I will never deny you, that's not in me to do, he was saying in part, I don't need what you are about to do, at least not as much as others might. We're not sinners because we commit sins. We commit sins because we're sinners. Sin is a condition of the heart before it is an act of the will. Those years Jesus had with Peter were not years spent in order to just teach Peter how to stay strong in the face of fear or how to, or how to commit fewer sins. Those years were given so that Jesus could be the sacrifice to atone for Peter's sin condition, which included both his pride and his duplicity. That's what Jesus was doing. And this shines light on two beautiful truths for us. The first is Jesus knew the measure of Peter's pride, as he does of yours and as he does of mine. And he laid down his life for his proud friend and his proud friends. Peter's swagger, his bravado, his self-assurance that he would never deny Jesus was one aspect of Peter's sinfulness for which Christ came to atone, his pride. It was the first sin humanity ever committed, and as Augustine said, it is the last to fall in each one of us. Because we kick habits, and we implement self-discipline new ones. And pride says, see, look at how good you are. You've got this. Jesus went to the cross for those of us whose sin is the proud self-confidence that we didn't need him to. Disciples are not people who would never deny Jesus. Disciples are people who come to believe they would and have. And if Christ doesn't keep them, they will be lost. The second beautiful light that comes through this moment of Jesus predicting Peter's denial is that not only did Jesus know the measure of Peter's pride and ours, but he also knew the measure of Peter's duplicity as he does of yours and mine. And he laid down his life for his fearful walking contradiction of a friend. The fact that Jesus named Peter's betrayal before it happened, well, that's a mercy. It's a mercy because Jesus is saying to Peter, I see through you. I see through you as he does with all of us. He knows where we are prone to wander away he knows the situations that are fertile soil for our hypocrisy. He knows we are deniers. He knows we are deniers about being deniers. 
and he is faithful to deniers. Paul wrote to Timothy, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny who he is. Christians are walking contradictions. We are believers and we are deniers at the same time. And Peter denied being a denier before he denied knowing Jesus. And all the others did the same. And yet, Jesus walked right past his disciples' fears, and he walked right past his disciples' failures to a place where he would atone for them. And they followed him, as we often do, from a distance, afraid of getting too close. But he went on. And tonight we remember what he went on to do. When this service is over, we're all going to leave here in silence. We will have walked through the events of this good, dark day. We will hear about Jesus' agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. His betrayal and arrest. Peter's denial. Pontius Pilate's decision to crucify the Lord and Jesus' crucifixion and his death. And although in a few days we will celebrate Easter, and it will be a wonderful celebration, and I do hope that all of you come back for that, tonight we will leave here with the story of a dead Christ. We will not resolve the tension tonight. And it's good for us on this night to remember the weight of the sacrifice of our Lord for the walking contradictions that He loves. We will leave here feeling as though, like Jesus' body in the tomb, our own hearts are buried. Why? Because the events we are talking about tonight really happened. They really did. Before night set in on that first Good Friday, soldiers would thrust a spear into Jesus' side to make sure that he was dead. They would permit Joseph of Arimathea to take Jesus' body down from the cross and bury him in a nearby grave. They would seal the grave with a large round stone built to roll like a giant wheel into place covering the mouth of the tomb. And that night that stone would roll and seat with a heavy thump. And everyone, everyone expected that he would remain in that tomb. Because that's what happens with those who are dead and buried. They stay dead and buried. Pray with me. Father, the story of the gospel is the story of tension resolved. Father, let us not skip over the tension so that we lose the magnificence of the resolution.
In other words, Lord, I'm asking that you tonight would grant us each the permission our hearts may be longing for right now to feel the sorrow of this and to not run ahead to the empty tomb even though we know that's coming, but to sit in the weight of the sorrow to know the cost, to reckon with the cost, and to reckon with our own duplicity and our own contradiction. Because, Lord, it is true for every one of your people that we love you and we deny you. Blessed be your name. Amen.